Turns out there's some things we say down here that aren't the way y'all say them everywhere else. And I'll give y'all that toboggan could possibly be a sled. Here it is a hat, but I get that. Snow is not my spiritual gift, so okay. But there is one term that I think we do better. It's just all around a much better word. Y'all might call it a shopping cart. Some y'all even call it a trolley. I don't know where that came from, but this is a buggy. Hey y'all, I'm Tommy Tomlinson. And from WFAE in Charlotte, this is Southbound. Conversations with people from all walks of life about how the South shapes who they are and what they do. That voice belongs to a former Mississippi school teacher named Landon Bryant. You didn't need to be told that. If you were one of his 397,000 followers on Instagram, or the many thousands who follow him on YouTube, TikTok, or Facebook. Landon became a social media star last year for his videos discussing what Southerners say and do and why we say and do them that way. The videos are an oasis of humor and non-judgment in a social media world that can sometimes feel like a never-ending bar brawl. Landon and I talked about how all this happened, how it's changed the way he sees himself, and what it's like to get recognized at Disney World. Here's our conversation. Landon Bryant, I want to start with sort of a scenario. So let's say you've been visiting somebody's house, and you've been there a while, and it's getting time to leave. What do you say or do to sort of start that process? Well, it's a, it's a long process, so there's a lot of steps to it. But it starts with sort of a shift in your body posture. Uh, well, or all right, well, and then it moves into maybe you'll stand up and maybe or maybe even sometimes you'll head to the edge of the couch instead of just the where you were. Maybe head to the edge of the couch. Then you can head to like the side of the room, lean up against the molding in the door. And from there, it just depends on the organization of the house, but you probably will end up in the kitchen, end up in the kitchen. We'll do a lot more goodbyes there. Then we'll maybe get to the porch from there, maybe, but that's, that seems like we're moving pretty quickly right now. <laughs> and then eventually, eventually we'll get into the driveway. Um, and then there's a lot more goodbyes. There's a lot of hanging into the car. Even before we get in the car, we're all going to lean on the car. And then there's hanging into the car. And then um, then you're finally will be dismissed, but people might follow you down the driveway waving and holler and watch out for deer. Um, but you're not gone anytime soon. When just starting the initial process of leaving is it, you've initiated a couple of hours of stuff going on. So you do need to do that well ahead of time. <laughs> and is there anything in particular that you tend to say at that moment? That's sort of the reason I ask is uh, my friend Tim his family is the best one that I've heard of, which is when they're starting to get ready, one of them will say, come on and go with us to the poorhouse. They come on and go with us. That's <laughs> something that everybody says. And I don't know where that comes from, but they will say, come on and go with us. I hear that all the time. Watch out for deer is a good, this is done. Like when you say watch out for deer, it's, it's you get to go. <laughs> That's the excuse. Come on, go with us or um, anything like that. And you can usually say something like, well, don't let it be too long before I see y'all again or something like that. You want to leave them with some guilt of some sort, possibly, or some sort of care. It's a good way. <laughs> and, and, and in your experience, is all that the case, even if those people actually never want to see you again? 
Um, yeah, pr probably, probably. It's just, it's like just custom. It's just the standard. It's just what you're doing. In the same way, if I were to say, how are you, how are you doing? Interesting, casual greeting. We all know, I don't really want to know every detail of how you physically are doing. That's me saying, hey, I'm, I'm into you, you know, um, and all the greetings and dismissals are similar. <laughs> So I, I went back and looked in your Instagram archives, I guess, and I saw you had been doing videos for quite a while before you started doing like this type of video. When, when did that start and where did that idea come from? So it's a couple of years ago and I would just dabble in it a little bit. But one of my first videos that I ever made went really viral and that made me be like, OK, hold on, let's think about it. And it was just a really like a very quick video. My wife um, was a sped teacher and she taught some of her second grade teachers, um, one of her second grade students asked her or the parents asked her to read a story as Belle. She's Belle in Beauty and the Beast at our local theater. And she's always the Disney princesses if there's a play like that kind of a thing. Um, and we had worked all week. It was Friday. And she sat down over on our couch and kind of sighed, but she was in full Belle costume. And it was just like a seven second clip of her like realizing what she had signed up to go do and was just like, <sighs> and that went nuts so viral. Um, so from there, I just, I didn't really super get into it, but then I would just dabble every now and then in trends or um, just little different things that were going on and share some stuff. And then I started sharing a lot of my classroom stuff. I was, I was a teacher for a long time and that was really fun. Um, and then it didn't take off till this year, really, really big. I had about 2000 followers before this year, but then I got real serious about it in March and it has just, it's like out of control at this point. And was there one particular video in that sort of Southern series that sort of launched you? I mean, was there something that made a big jump? I think there was. And it was the story. And I'll, now I'll have to tell the story, but it's a good story. Oh, yeah. It, I, told the, I told the story of Walmart High School, how I went to Walmart High School. And that went nuts. In that story, I used Southern phrases. Like it was a few videos of that story. And he used phrases like fixing to Mike could those kinds of things. And there was so much conversation in the videos about like, what are you talking about? And I was like, wait, y'all don't say fixing to, and how, how do you express that sentiment <laughs> without physically saying fixing to, you know? So it took off from there. And then I started from that. Well, let's discuss fixing to, or let's discuss Mike could. And here we are having discussions all these years later. You know, one of my, I've been, I've been married for 25 years to a woman from Wisconsin. And one of my great achievements is that now she says Mike could. Yeah. Um, and she can't help herself. It's sometimes fixing too as well. It's good. They're both so good. They make so much sense. And Mike could is proper grammar. That's a double modal. It's even a term in English literature and language. So we got say Mike could, I say. But Walmart High School was the story of uh, our school got blown away by a tornado when I was in eighth grade. Nobody was there or hurt. And they put us in the Walmart building because we just got a new super Walmart. So they put a seventh through 12th grade in the old Walmart with cubicles lined up. Um, and it was a mess. And we finished that whole school year there. So people graduated from Walmart High School. But I went into detail about that story and that went nuts. And from there, we started our discussions. And here we are. How do you film these? Do you just do them at your house? I do. I just do them or really wherever I try. Purposefully tried to make this a thing where that I could do like all over the place so that I'm not stuck down to one place, but I am a creature of habit. So I kind of just sit in this one chair and I, there, I just get against a blank wall. I don't even have a green screen. I just blank wall and then the software cuts me out of it. Um, but yeah, I just at my house in a chair on a shaky tripod with a broken iPhone 13 mini. That's the whole empire. <laughs> 
And I've noticed you're really good about like picking your backgrounds. Like, does it take a long time to sometimes to find one that sort of matches what you want to talk about? Well, again, I've tried to set this up to be something that doesn't, I try to not drag it out because there's a lot that goes on with it. But with the backgrounds, I kind of just like go with my thought, whatever I'm thinking about. And I use Canva, just the Canva Pro. And I just try to find a thing about what I talked about. And I like repetition and I like colors. So I kind of, I kind of think it's like a pop art type situation. It's what it's turned into for me, the backgrounds. I think they're so fun. I don't know though. They are really crazy a lot of times. I realized the other day that maybe I'd gone too far when I um, did a, a toilet versus commode and I surrounded myself with toilets in the background and I was like, maybe, maybe that wasn't the best look like in retrospect, but it's done. Well, I hate to stop you at every time you bring up one of these things, but I do want to ask. So I grew up calling it a commode as well. And does that seem to be a Southern thing, commode versus toilet? I feel like it's more generational. And I learned a lot about that doing these whole things, how it's not necessarily regional. There is a lot of r- rural, rural, that's the hardest. I'll never be able to say that word. <laughs> r- rural juror, you know, but there, it, there's a lot of ruralness to people that relate to what I'm talking about. But then there's also a lot of generational things. And commode seems to be something that used to be said, like when I was growing up and Commode was kind of like a lot of places, very Appalachian, but I saw it show up in a lot of people's things and not just Southern. So I'm not going to call that one just totally Southern. One of the things I think makes your work stand out is that so much of like Southern discourse is about um, the right way to do something. Like, how do you pronounce pecan versus pecan versus whatever? And people want to make pronouncements and say this is settled. And yours is obviously more like a let's discuss, let's talk about this. How did you kind of end up landing on that approach? It was back to those earlier videos. I think I literally said in one of them, so let's discuss fixing two. And that took off. I, I don't know what if I harped on it or if my wife was like that's good go with that because she's kind of got it a lot of this behind the process she was a broadcast journalism major in college so she knows more video and she's the reason i know how to do any of this stuff by the way where do you land on the uh the pecan issue i'm a pecan guy okay so i don't know if you um noticed but i didn't i, I have yet to take a stance i i saw that i was trying to pin you down a little bit <laughs> i have yet to take a stance and it's turned into this running joke where i like censor myself anytime i say the thing <laughs> so i say it however you think i say it that's all I, say. <laughs> <laughs> I will say there was a lot of first nations people that commented that it in their language it is pecan and even i, I love i love to learn things like that i saw somebody say that the multiple of pecan it's pecan icky, and I I think that's so great. It is funny that, you know, I tend to say, I don't know, there's a bowl of pecans on the table, but I do say pecan pie. Well, so yeah. I if there's something contextual about it, too. There might be, because there was a lot of people, including myself, sometimes pecan pie will slip out, and pecan is a different way to say it. It's a whole thing, but people, a lot of people were saying they say pecan, but it's pecan pie, or they say pecan, and it's pecan pie. So I think it's just how are you feeling at the moment, what feels right. You probably have the most pleasant comment section on any web thing I've ever seen where people are not fighting about it. They're just mostly discussing. And I don't know if that's curated or what or whether it just kind of comes out that way. Well, I don't delete any comments. Like I've I've only deleted two comments the whole time that I've been doing this since March. Um, And that's just if they're very disrespectful. But I just try to set the tone 
of respect in the community. I think one thing that people want today, because we live in such a divided world, that everything is so divided and so divisive, um, and there's you got to take a stance on everything. And we have been very extreme with that due to our politics and that kind of stuff. And I think, or I hope, what my account offers and what people tell me is a place where we can have discussions, where we can disagree, but it's not, it's about mayonnaise instead of, you know, like more intense things. We can disagree on bread pudding and banana pudding or mu mustard, whatever that is. And so it's kind of turned into a whole thing because of that, that I did not expect. Um, and I think it is, I think there was a void of community on the internet for people to be able to have open discussions and celebrate our differences in a way, you know, without it being an affront. And it's just turned into that. And so I really lean into that. I think part of it comes to do with the fact that I taught four-year-old kindergarten through sixth graders for 10 years. Um, so I speak like I'm talking to four-year-olds. <laughs> and we focus on kindness and we say kind things. And so I try to like bring that in every now and then and just remind people to be kind. But now I think it's turned into a place where people expect it to be like a kind community that they're coming to. And I'm that's the thing I'm probably the most proud of is that we've somehow created this table that everybody can have a seat at, no matter who you are or what you believe or what you do, like we'll all be at this table, we'll all be having conversations with each other. But again, like they're about mayonnaise and um, we can disagree on those things. And maybe if we can like learn to disagree about that in a polite way, in a poli polite way, which made a new word in, in a polite way, <laughs> then maybe we can learn to disagree about the other things in a more civil way, you know, in real life. I don't know. I didn't mean for it to turn into something like that, but it turned into that for me, at least. I like politeful. I'm going to have to use politeful. <laughs> no, I know. We're going to have that. When we come back, Landon Bryant talks about life in his hometown of Laurel, Mississippi, the same home as HGTV stars Ben and Aaron Napier. It's just a special place full of people with like enough audacity to think that it's special. Like we, <laughs> you know, like we all think it's great. So we've just always thought that. That and more ahead on Southbound. Before we get back to this episode, I wanted to ask for a little help with something. If you enjoy Southbound, please give us a good rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast provider you have that allows such things. The more reviews and better ratings we get, the better chance there is that other listeners can find us. But to be honest, I'd just as soon you tell people about Southbound through good old word of mouth. If you could recommend it to just one person you know, somebody you might think would enjoy interesting conversations about the South, I'd be deeply grateful. If you have any thoughts about the show, guests to recommend, or anything that you think might make Southbound better, you can email me at ttomlinson at wfae.org. Thanks so much for giving us a little bit of your time. And now, back to my conversation with Landon Bryant. Is this your job now, being the land that talks? This is my job now full-time job now. I've signed a deal with um, Hatchet, with Running Press through Hatchet for a book deal so that like replaced um, salaries and things like that. And I've got a talent agent and she pulls in insane deals that I would never, have, I never thought I'd get to work with Bush's Baked Beans or like Duke's Mayonnaise. Like never saw myself as a mayonnaise influence. <laughs> <laughs> it was not something <laughs> that I thought was coming. Um, but yeah, we've been able to make it work. And um, 
trying to build it out and build it bigger and it'll get there, but it's grown so fast. And I've ha- I've had so many opportunities to do so many different things that just have blown my mind entirely. I've seen that uh, uh, people can hire you to do uh, these cameo videos, which are like these personalized things. Is there something like, do those tend to fall into certain categories? Is there somebody wanting to like convince their sister the certain way to say something or something like that? Sometimes it's it's how to say things or stuff like that. It's it's a lot of birthdays. It's a lot of anniversaries. It's a lot of pep talks for new jobs. Somebody's going through something that they're having a difficult time with. And even there's things like illness diagnoses or family family deaths. And I feel like that's something that I can do. And I, I love to talk to people and I love to be able to be part of their lives. Because normally I'm just, I, and I say this on the cameos, but normally I'm talking to just this glass box, which is insane. So it's really nice to like peer into the people's lives who I'm talking to. So now instead of just this glass box and a few people I can picture, I can think about all the people that I've peered into their lives through the cameos. And I really like that a lot. I like the connection that I feel through that. And I, I, I like to think that I'm helping somebody stay in a little bit. So I, I remember hearing like pro wrestlers talk about their characters and how their characters are basically like, their actual personalities, just like with the volume turned up. Is that sort of you? I mean, is the person that we see on these videos pretty close to who you are or, or what's the difference? It's pretty close to who I am. It's a, I mean, I exaggerate a little bit with the accent and stuff and I lean into things, you know, but I think what is part of my account that is approachable and why people like it. I mean, I, I don't know, but I, what I think resonates with people is that it's genuine. Like I don't talk about stuff I don't know about. Um, and I don't talk about stuff that I'm not familiar with. I think it has to stay genuine and be authentic or people don't like that. People don't relate to inauthenticity on the internet right now, especially in the next few years. I think people want to like be very real with you. So if I was acting too hard, I think it would just pick up so fast. So it has to stay me or it, I don't think it will work. So I try to stay really close to my roots. For instance, there I'm really close to Louisiana and New Orleans. You won't catch me talking about their culture that much because that is a totally different culture and there's somebody else that needs to do that. Um, and I could, I could, I could research it and find out, but I just feel like it is best if I stay to what I know. Instagram is where I first saw you and I know you're also on YouTube and TikTok and places like that. Are there differences for you in like how people respond to what you do or who tends to do it and that sort of thing? For sure. So Instagram, we've got our nice little community. There's a, Instagram is my biggest engagement. So there's a lot of people on Instagram. So it's a big, big conversation. TikTok is a little more unhinged. People just say whatever they think on TikTok. But even there, people are respectful. Um, Facebook is more like people writing letters. It's like my grandma writing letters to me, mostly on Facebook. Um, and YouTube is just all over the place. You're in Laurel, Mississippi, which, uh, as at least some of our listeners will know, is also the home of Ben and Aaron Napier. You have the, that big hometown show on HGTV. They've been on the podcast before as well. What is it about Laurel, Mississippi? It's not a big place. It's just a special place full of people with like enough audacity to think that it's special. Like we, <laughs> you know, like we all think it's great. So we've just always thought that. And the town went really downhill. Like when I was in middle school and teenager, the our downtown was like deserted. And then 2008 happened and it was even worse. And there was like nothing downtown for a little bit, but abandoned buildings and like the old bank and things like that. And it just slowly, Aaron and Ben started, helped start Laurel Main Street Association. And that 
was a focus on getting people back downtown and getting people to, to see the town for what it is and for its value. And it's just been really cool because we used to like run around the streets of downtown late at night, like going into abandoned buildings and like dreaming of what it could be and like how it looks like it could be so cute y'all in, in our brains, you know, but it didn't seem possible. And that main street started making it possible. And then the show showed up and it took off and we were like, is that going to stick? And then every building is full now. And the house prices have not skyrocketed. We're trying to keep them like accessible, but the home values have definitely gotten better. Our tax base is better. It's just been an all around like improvement for the town. And now it's to that point where it's stuck and we've made the permanent changes that need to happen and regulated Airbnbs and done all those things. And it's just really beautiful to look back on. Back when it was, you know, at its worst, I guess, when you're walking around the abandoned buildings, you know, what made you stay? That is a very good question because a lot of people that own those businesses downtown now are around my age and a lot of us left and like went to like architecture school at Mississippi State and things like that. There's like a creative spirit here of people and people interested in that. But everybody just trickled back. I think what made us stay is just that it is special and family here is a really big deal. Kind of you set your life up around that kind of a thing. But I feel like at least for my generation of people, we graduated college right when the recession happened. So it kind of was a moment where we all as society had to like reckon with what do we want? Like, what is it that we want? Because now the world is very different and we have to figure out what we want going forward. And I think what is special about here and what I'm very glad happened is I think a lot of us realized that what we want is like walkable communities with people that support us and our families nearby, even if they get on our nerves, like at least they're <laughs> we available, you know, like, I, and I think it just was, a weird combination of recession restricting opportunities, but also like kind of waking us up to what can we do with what we have. So I know from talking to Ben and Aaron that they get recognized a lot now, wherever they go. Has, has that started happening to you too? It has. I mean, they're like international superstar. People know them everywhere, but it has happened to me. And, so, and that's very surprising again, because I'm just talking to this phone every day and there's lots of usernames and sure the numbers are wild numbers but it doesn't mean it. it doesn't like really set in to me you know so it's really blows my mind when people recognize me and um out in the town but even when i'm not in the town like i was in disney world in september and people really recognize me in disney world even i put my hair up and put a hat on and i had sunglasses and i was like i'm incognito but anytime i would like talk in the line people would whip around and be like are you that guy <laughs> I was like wow okay yeah so it's okay so that is different. It's really strange, but people are very respectful. And as far as that goes, living in a small town before any of this, anytime I walk outside, I expect to be fully watched and reported on <laughs> by the entire town. You know, somebody's going to tell my daddy where I was the other day. If So I'm sort of used to that aspect of like, you're going to see people and say hello. And do you think that, you know, going out and being uh, reported on, basically, does that feel like a Southern thing to you or is that just a small town thing? I feel like it's small town, but it also is very Southern that we're all going to tell everybody everything. Um, and that, I mean, there used to be party lines and I, I, I don't remember a party line, but I do remember people talking about listening in on the party line and that stuff. We're nosy as a people, I would call <laughs> I would say that you could say that pretty confidently. <laughs> the South is a pretty nosy place. But it comes from a place of love. Like, we want to know what's going on so we can watch out for you. I've seen a couple of interviews where you talked about one of the maybe benefits for, of what you've done is sort of 
redefining masculinity in the South in a way. And can, can you just kind of talk about what your thoughts have been about that? And that that has blown my mind too. So I live I've lived here, right? And this place is the football and working dudes and blue blue collar, like you know, Carhartt before it was a fancy thing that you could buy in New York City. Like that's this place. Um, so I've never super felt like I was representative of here, I, like ever in elementary school or in high school. But I, I mean, I've never felt not included. I've nobody ever bullied me or anything. I've had the best time with the best people. This it's, this place has been great. But I've noticed that I'm I'm not the same as everybody here. Obviously, nobody's the same, right? This has really helped me come to terms with that. First of all, I am Southern. I didn't realize I had a Southern accent before I started doing this. So that's one thing. Landon, oh my God. And because there's worse ones. There's way worse <laughs> ones, like right down the road. If you go a few miles that way, there's way worse accents, you know, but I'm learning. <laughs> I never just thought of myself as innately southern because i'm not like a football player i'm not like I'm, i've never killed anything in my life like i'm not hunting in the woods there can be different kinds of of men there doesn't have to be one definition of men and it was me who boxed myself into that category anyways so i've always loved theater i've always loved like women are my inspiration the people the women i grew up with it's just been a real journey with that like my voice is higher than uh most people's voices i feel like sometimes it's got like a, a more tenor tone to it you know and i've always kind of like disliked that or felt like it was something to be embarrassed of but i'm learning through this process or it's helping me learn through this process that i'm very much southern man this is just a version of southern man and there's different versions of men everywhere and you can be whatever you want to be and still be a man like i don't know it's that that seems very obvious but it's something that has really really been transformative for me to like own that i am southern i am southern i'm, I'm an option of man that you can be down here what does your son feel like about your, his dad becoming this sort of video star? So I've been teaching since he was in four-year-old kindergarten. I was his art teacher at the school. So I was his art teacher every year. So this is his first year to go to school without me. Um, and his mom even worked at the school with us too the last couple of years. So he was mostly mad about that. <laughs> that we aren't there with him. But he's grown so much this year and like done things on his own that I would have prompted him to do. So he's doing really good with that. But his friends don't care what I'm doing. They don't think it's cool. They don't think it's like remarkable. They, he definitely likes being able to go to things that I get opportunities to, but I'm definitely not cool dad for this. I'm definitely like aged millennial dad on the internet compared to their gen alpha. Like they have a whole different thing going on. So it's, <laughs> it doesn't give me as cool points as you think it would. Is there something about the South that makes these conversations more possible or more detailed? I guess what I'm getting at is if you had grown up in Michigan or Montana instead of Mississippi, could you still do the thing that you're doing? Or is there something unique to it about being from the South? There's so much in small town, like whether it's South or not South. I think that that's like a bigger thing than just that it's Southern. So I guess it would depend on the place because it goes back to, I've always felt other here on my own accord. And I think that has made me be a little bit more observant. And I've always been like listening to everybody and what they're saying and what they're doing. And I think those observations over the years have helped me do this now, like report on those observations. And it's interesting too, because I think the South has always, we've always seen ourselves as outsiders in the yeah. bigger picture for some very obvious reasons and others not so obvious. And I, I, I wonder whether that kind of richness of the differences in the way we do things sort of stems from that in some way i think so i think it stems from so much so much history and so much reasons like 
down to how we want to take care of each other that comes from people being like very poor at least where i'm from like being very poor and when someone would come to your house you are going to force offer them food even if they say no the first couple of times because you want to preserve their pride and you want to preserve their well-being while also know that they're taken care of so there's that aspect of like forcible hospitality <laughs> that seems crazy but it comes from a place of like looking out for, for people in ultimately and then there's this whole societal thing like where most of the south like it comes from british colonization and we like have taken that aristocracy society and like twisted it into our manners that we have down here and it's generations later you know a lot of what you're talking about is sort of nostalgia nostalgia is sort of a tricky thing down here because there can be parts of it where we're nostalgic for something that other people who grew up down here are not nostalgic for at all in other ways. And so I'm wondering how you think about that as you decide what to talk about and kind of how to, how to navigate those things. Well, and it's definitely something to navigate. And that comes down to like the respectful community that we've built. My personal beliefs in this have turned into that. I think it is more important for me to provide a place for us all to be at the table than for me to provide divisive topics that are going to divide even further. So I definitely think about what I'm saying when I'm saying it. And choose what I'm saying carefully. And I sort of view it as like this historical record almost because I have a history degree and archive. And I would like to think that historians in the future could look back on this and realize that there are people here who are not judgmental, who are open to the conversation. So it's just, it's a dance. It's like a dancing on a fine line between um, acknowledging the things that have happened here in our past that are not things that we're proud of, but also celebrating the things that we are proud of taking the South forward into what, what do we want to be? And I think our generation gets to decide that we get to decide what we want this to be in the future, especially like raising our kids and what we're going to focus on. And I think that there is, it's very important that we like do investigate history here. It's very important that we like are real about what happens here and what happened here. Um, but I think my particular account is very good for getting us all at the same table. So it's a balance between, between all those things. You've done dozens of these videos by now. Are you worried at all about running out of ideas? I'm not, and I used to be, but I can pretty much talk about anything. <laughs> anything when it comes up, never had a problem with that. But I have made a goal that I was going to make it to the Walmart video again a year later and then revisit topics. So I've made it almost there. Like that was, I think that was at either the end of February or the early in March. Um, and we're getting there. So if I can just add two more months of content and I think I've got it, then I'm going to get to revisit a bunch of things um, and that I do need to revisit because I said things wrong or like, you know, a whole thing. We've got more conversations to have around it. So I'm trying to make it an entire year of content before I revisit any topics. And I've been able to do that so far. So I think I'm, I think I'm fingers crossed. I'm almost there. I have one for you that you may have dealt with because uh, you've done so many. I, I haven't seen every single one, I guess. But the thing you dry off with when you get out of the shower, that word, how many syllables does it have? <laughs> one it's a towel <laughs> that's right you're damn right it is every place has its own quirky way of saying and doing things I married a Wisconsin girl and now sometimes I find myself out of the blue speaking Midwestern you want to go with that sort of thing still I can't help but feel that the South has more of those quirks than any other part of the country. Landon Bryant talks about how he often felt like he was an outsider in his own state. 
Well, the South has often felt like an outsider in America. Part of that, of course, is the fault of our own heritage. Another part of it is our own nature as talkers, storytellers. What I enjoy the most about Landon's work is how he refuses to acknowledge a Southern rule book. However you want to say pecan, however you want to extricate yourself from a visit, there's no right and wrong way to do it. There are traditions, but they're not chiseled in stone. The South is still changing every day. Landon learned that himself as he's figuring out what it means to be a Southern man. His son's generation will come up with ideas of their own. And although Southerners tend to dwell on the past more than most other people do, for good and for ill, the Southern future will look different. Not might could look different. It definitely will. Southbound is a production of WFAE in Charlotte. Our editors are Lisa Worf and Jen Lang. Our main theme music comes from Joshua Lee Turner. You can listen to this and other episodes of Southbound on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the NPR One app, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Subscribe for free to get each new episode sent to you when it's ready. You can also find Southbound at our website. Just go to wfae.org slash podcast slash Southbound. See you all next time. Thanks for listening.